0: Morning. How are you guys? Hey, uh, I just want to. I know I do this a lot, but I want to that compassion initiative that we have this month. I don't know that you guys have been keeping track, but actually, we have had a compassion initiative each month, and we're trying to do that each month because we we have said we are, God has called us to be, a compassionate Christian community. And so we want to lean into that. We found that that is the thing that really kind of gets our hearts going. And uh, when our hearts get going, then we find ourselves uh, really following after God and what He's doing. And so, uh, I encourage you guys to take advantage of that and keep your eyes open for those. Those will be every month. We'll have an opportunity for us to tie into the lives of those who are beyond our walls and uh, just come alongside of them with God's compassion. Amen. Are we that community? Is that what God's called us to? Yeah. Amen. Um, hey, I want you to think about something as we get started this morning. Um, <clears throat> this question: If someone were to observe your life, just watch you living, what would they say you're passionate about? Right? I, I, one of the things I love about the fall is that we have a lot of sporting events uh, in that you know, baseball is coming to an end, and so we have the World Series and the ramp up for that, and then football is kind of getting going, and so you got college football, and you got NFL stuff going on, and so you got a lot of stuff going on, and you'll see stadiums full of people who are passionate about their team, right? I mean, they go out there, they'll paint themselves, they will hold their signs, they'll scream like they don't care that the whole world knows because this is their team, right? That's passion. Sometimes they look like complete idiots because of their passion, because this is what they love. So if people were to watch your life, what would they say that you were passionate about? Uh, The church that Carrie, my wife and I, Met at the pastor there one time. Well, regularly, he would say, You can find out what a person's priorities are, what their passion is, if you just look at two things one is their daytimer and their checkbook. And you go, Wow, that is an old reference, right? <laughs> Who uses a checkbook anymore? And what is a daytimer? But all that he was saying was, If you look at where people invest their time and where they invest their money, that's where you can find what their priorities are, what their passions are. So what would people say about what you're passionate about? There are other ways that we show it as well, right? When you're talking to somebody and you notice that they're getting animated, you notice that their face is lighting up, their voice is kind of, they're really leaning into this thing. If you watch somebody and, and you find that they just kind of lose themselves, they lose all track of time as they talk about or as they are involved in certain things, that is a passion, And you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Because we all have them. So what would people say that you're passionate about? Today, we're going to be looking at a verse, just one verse, from later on in the book of James. We've been looking at chapter one. We're going to jump to chapter four, verse eight. And we're going to be looking at this verse because this is where God talks about, um, is going to kind of summarize all that we have been talking about. But he says, listen, I, I need you to pay attention to something about your passions about these things that we aim at, these things that we invest ourselves in our lives and what is worth investing in. So let's stand together as we hear this very simple word from God's word in James chapter four, verse eight. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, we don't like it when the Bible calls it sinners, right? Nobody likes that. Nobody likes it when we start talking about being double-minded. We've been looking at that for a while. we looked at, we've tried to unpack what does it mean, that what is it to sin? It's to just take a track that isn't God's track. Even if it seems to be a great track or a good track and it doesn't hurt anybody, it's not God's track and it gets us off and it has consequences. That, so he's talking to all of us because we all do this stuff. We all are split in our mindset towards him, Right? We said at the beginning of the series that this book of James was trouble for those who have kind of these, this double-mindedness, right? It's trouble for those of us who we, we're, we kind of have these split decisions. We can't make up our mind where we try and hold two different gods, where we try and chase after two different things. We have a split mind about, about whether God is for us or against us. All of this in the book of James is trouble for that double mind. Why? Because... God calls us through James back to one thing, one priority, to pursue one and devote ourselves to one true love of him. So today's message is titled, The Single Life. Did you know that God calls all of us to the single life? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you um, that your, your word is challenging to us. It really is. It always is. I love the fact that when I go into preparing these messages, that I know that you're not just going to be speaking through me and go beat up on somebody, you're actually going to be God, you're going to be getting my attention pretty clearly, because these things are not just to the them who is out there beyond us. This is a message that is to each and every one of us. And so Father, I thank you that you will be speaking to us this morning that you will be drawing out your word and drawing from your word by your Holy Spirit. I thank you that he is here. And if we will open our ears, if we'll listen, that you will speak to us in a way that will change our hearts and transform our lives. So Father, we invite your spirit into this place. We give him room so that you might be glorified, that Jesus might be lifted up, that we might find out more clearly what it means To follow you and to grab hold of that life that you have always intended us for and have designed for us. We pray these things in your name, Father, in the name of your Son Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and by his power. Amen. Have a seat. For five years, um, Carrie and I and our three kids, we lived in a little town in central Kansas. And and some of us, when we think of little towns, we think of little towns. This was a a little town. It it was a town that it would um, top 3,000 population as long as the college that was there in town was in session. And if you caught, you know, you had to count some of the dogs and cats sometimes. But 3,000 is what we'd say. It was a town where the 24-hour convenience store closed at seven. (laughs) You know? And so to find a town were things that like normal hours for 24-hour convenience stores, things like that. That was about half an hour away. So this was a remote, small, rural town. Now, some of you guys have either grown up in those towns or you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Harry's over there. Yes, St. James, Missouri. Yeah, there you go. So I mentioned it. It's been out, it's broadcast now. Everybody knows about St. James. (laughs) But this was a town that was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And because of that, because of that, this was also the town in which I received my first invitation to go hunting. <laughs> you go, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. The groan. So, um, so I get this invitation because, you see, up until that point, the smallest city that I had lived in was about 64,000 people. It had a university that was easily five to six times the size of this small town that we were living in. And so in a town, in a place that has a lot of people kind of packed in all together, you know, firearms and shooting at things is generally frowned upon, right? And so I hadn't had the opportunity to go hunting. I had never really even uh, handled much of a firearm outside of like a BB gun. Uh, And so this was quite an opportunity. I was looking forward to it. So on uh, on that day, the senior pastor and this other guy from our church, they invited me to go out, to get up early and to go out dove hunting. Now, before we went hunting, they decided that we, and by we, they really meant me, we needed some, maybe some practice, target shooting. I think they were trying to get a, a feel for what I was gonna be doing that morning. And so we, we took out these, they had these uh, clay targets. Many of you have seen them or have actually gone target shooting. And uh, what we were, technically what we were doing was a form of what's called trap shooting. And that's where you're throwing targets one by one into the air from the same location. So you know where they're coming from. You can kind of track them. Uh, it's, it's one of the easier forms of this. And um, one person was down there, and they'd throw the, the, the target in the air, and, and one of the other two would be shooting to try and hit it. I was not hitting anything. and And they were convinced that this was because, well, naturally, because of where I was from. Now, this was a first impression situation. I knew that first impressions are really important, and I was failing. And so... They're tossing them and I'm missing them. They're convinced it's about uh, my, my abilities because I probably they're convinced I probably haven't even, I don't know what a gun is. I can spell it, but I may not know what it is. I've never seen one before. The fact is though, I might've gone with that except that I knew that a year earlier, I had been out in Colorado and had the, the opportunity to go trap shooting for the first time. And in that situation, I had actually done pretty well. And so I made the suggestion to them I said, I think the sights might be off on your gun. Now that went over well, <laughs> because they're thinking they're just rolling their eyes and they're thinking, you know, here's this city, you know, this poor city guy who um, is trying to blame his poor shooting on one of our guns. And these guys who they take care of their guns, they use their guns regularly. And so they were convinced, and so um, that didn't go over well. They just kind of, uh, just kind of blew that off. We went through the day, didn't hit any doves either. Neither did they, but they knew why, my, I, why I didn't. Um, but what happened it was interesting because uh, weeks later, the pastor took out the same gun, and he found out that, oh, look, the sights actually are off. So they had to like, set me up with this terrible gun, Right? And then they, they just kind of confirmed well, what they thought was going to happen, but the damage was done, and it ends up that that was also the last time I was ever invited to go hunting. <laughs> First impressions are a bear to try and work through. So um, point of all that, what? Uh, you know, sometimes we miss our targets because we have bad equipment, right? That's true, that's true in hunting, that's true in life. Sometimes we miss our targets because we uh, have bad equipment. Later on, I was introduced to some of the other forms of target shooting, skeet shooting, competitive clay shooting. That's when they're throwing multiple targets from multiple kind of directions, and you're trying to hit them both. And you know what the the toughest part of that is, is learning how to focus not on two targets or three targets going, but focus on one at a time, and sometimes even letting the other ones go so you just hit one. Because often what happens, and in the early days and the early kind of occasions and opportunities to do that, the early outings of these multiple targets, I found that there was a lot of confusion, there was a lot of indecision, and there was a lot of missing everything, right? Because sometimes we miss our target <clears throat> because we lack the focus. We have this kind of indecision that sets in between two things and it causes us to miss our target. That is really primarily what James is talking about. What we find is that in our lives though, and tell me if this isn't true, we would like, most of the time, we would like to blame kind of the failures and the misses in our lives. We'd like to blame it and call it, kind of um, categorize them as of that first type. We'd like to say it was the equipment that was bad. Somebody didn't give me the right instructions. I didn't know what I was doing. They didn't set me up right. It was my team. How can I get this done if I don't have the people around me that I need? You don't know what I'm facing. It was the pandemic and the the economic collapse. Everything went wrong with, I didn't have what I needed to get done. What James suggests is that many times, if not most times in our lives, especially around some of the most critical things and decisions that we make, the failure to hit the target is not about the equipment failure. It's about our indecision. It's about the fact that we have, we have two different targets. I'm sorry, I never know what to do with that, aside from just saying. All right, uh, you who are online, you guys have been caught in a mess because... Uh, I got distracted. And that's, that's, okay, let me use that. That's a perfect example. It's hard sometimes to be paying attention to the people that I'm talking to and be paying attention to something else going on at the same time. Most of the time in our lives, that is where we fail, where we fail to hit the target, where we somehow we have these two targets that are set up And we we see them, and we don't just pick one. We don't focus on the one and let the other go. And let me add maybe another, a third part to this picture that James is painting for us. In fact, he says, sometimes it's like we're out there target shooting, and it's not just there. there is only one target. There's only one target, and it's been designated, and we know that this is the only target worth hitting. And as it flies by, we pick something else, Right? We see an acorn falling from the tree. We see a bird flying by. We see a flower that's sitting out in the field. And we say, why couldn't that be a valid target? Why don't we just shoot for that instead? And the target is flying by and we miss them both. Why? We miss everything. Because again, we're distracted. This time, not by just a target that came in, that's a valid target, but by something that just happened to catch our interest and drew us off. And so we miss everything that we could have been aiming for. This is what James is talking about in his book. I asked you at the beginning, if people watched your life, what would they say that you were passionate about? Another way to say that is, what would they say that you are shooting for? What are you aiming at? What are you seeing as the focus of your life? And I would add a second question to that, and it would be this. If God saw the targets that you were picking... What would he say about those targets? Would, they, would he say that they were even targets worth paying attention to? That they were even targets worth pouring all that time and that effort into? We say at times, many of us would say we're trying to follow Jesus. That he's the most important one in our lives. That he is the most important thing in our lives. Would people see that if they just watched our lives? Would they come to that same conclusion judging by where we direct our energies and our time and our resources and our efforts? Or would they say, you know, there seem to be these other things that have caught your attention and have caused you to become indecisive so that you're not really hitting either one well. In James 4, verse 8, James writes... That if we know that God, God in this life that he has called us to, if we know that that's the only target we truly believe, and I, I, I really believe we do, we believe that that's the only target worth hitting. If we know that, he says, then let the other things go. In fact, there are times that it's not just letting them go, but you almost have to scrub them out of your life. You have to clean them off of your hands and clean them out of your heart so that you're not, you're chasing one thing. You're aiming at one thing, not two. You're not being so distracted. So instead of trying to follow God's plan and that, that, that sense of his voice speaking internally, sometimes we're trying to follow that and follow our own desires and our own voices that are coming up. And because of that, we miss everything. Sometimes we're trying to pursue these things that he says are eternal and are worth investing in, but we're also trying to pursue the things of this world that are only temporary, but that everybody else says is worth investing in. And so we miss both. Sometimes we try to live out this compassion towards others, and we try and invest our lives in that, but at the same time, we're trying to invest a lot of our time into things that we would call like self-care or self-realization or self-fulfillment and that kind of self-defined version of what it means to find ourselves and to become actualized and all that. And because of that, we miss all of it because we have two, two targets and we can't hit both. And James says, you got to let one go. you got to purify your hearts, cleanse your hands from doing the things that God hasn't called you to. Cleanse your life from doing those things and investing in those things that God, that God never had planned out for you, but that you think will somehow enhance your life. Purify your hearts so that they become, they become undiluted, undistracted, they become focused instead of double-minded. Jesus said at one point, he said, you can't serve two masters because you're either going to devote yourself to one and despise the other for the demands that they put on you or you're going to love the one and hate the other. You're gonna love one or the other and you're gonna despise the other one. So you cannot serve God and the things of this world, things like wealth, things like power, things like uh, fame or stuff, Jesus' disciple, John, uh, I've been quoting a lot from the book of 1 John. um, But in 1 John, it says, do not love the world or the things of the world. And we go, wait a second, this world is a good place. There are a lot of things in this world that God has called me to. And that is true. John is not talking about everything. He's not saying become an ascetic and go off and just live in the desert somewhere in a cave. He's not saying that. But this world has many things that God has called us to, and that's fine. So to devote yourself and to love your wife and to love your kids and to love your neighbors and to love those who are in need in a way that actually draws alongside of them and helps them in compassion the way God calls us to. Yes, there are good things. To rejoice in the creation that he surrounded us with and the beauty and to just find ourselves just thanking God and praising God for the the amazing world that he's put us in. Yes. That's not who he's talking about. He's talking about there's this other piece, this other side, this dark side of this world that we live in, this fallen side. And he says, don't love those things. <clears throat> because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. He's saying again, you can't have these two targets. For all that is in the world, and this, these are the things he's talking about, those cravings of the flesh, the cravings of the eyes, Right? You see things and you just want them. And that boastful pride that comes from, and he calls it life, but it's really all that we are, all that we have that just causes us to boast, all that we've accomplished that causes us to boast, those are not from the Father. Those come from the world. And he says, "In the world and all of its cravings is passing away. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. There's one target worth hitting. And James says, focus on that one and scrub all the rest of this away. So what is that one target? Well, it ends up that this one target is related to, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, Cheryl, Pastor Cheryl talked about the one sin, right? There's one sin that we commit. Every other sin comes from it. And that one sin is that we take the, the one true God and we replace him. We take the one true God and the words that he speaks from his heart and we replace him. We replace him with another God that we make up. It's not him, but we're able to put kind of our own words in this other God's mouth. And so we feel better about the words that this God speaks because it sounds a lot more like the stuff we wanna hear. And whenever we do that, every sin we commit, every brokenness in this world comes from that one sin. Isn't it interesting that when God starts out the Ten Commandments, the first one that he gives us, he says, you will have no other gods but me. Why? Because whenever we try and put up a second one, we can't serve both, and we tend to replace the one with the other. We tend to go with the one that we like the best, that looks a lot like, more like us and sounds a lot more like what we want him to say. So we do that. That's where sin comes from. In the same way, where does eternal life come from? It comes from one thing. Comes from one choice, one target, one act. And that's when we choose to follow and to listen to that one true God. He says, There's one commandment I give to you, this is the most important, from which everything else comes, right? And that's that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all you are, all you have, all you think. All you do, that you focus on that one thing, everything else comes from that. All goodness, all right living, all right relationship comes from that. If you will focus on loving the one true God with all that you are and all that you do, And listening to what he says, and to do and to give yourself that you trust him, you love him, you follow him, you will find that yes, you will be loving your spouse. You'll love your wife. You'll love your husband. You will take care of your family. You will love those around you the way that he calls you to. If you you focus on loving God with all that you think and all that you say, you will find that yes, you will start finding that the words of grace will be coming out of your mouth towards others, you will find, yes, you can say, I forgive you instead of, you're gonna get it, right? You will find that if if you learn that if our heart is consumed and focused on loving this one true God with all that we have, all that we own, all of our abilities, that we will find that we are drawn to help others, that we're drawn alongside to help them in their need, to come alongside people in compassion and to lift them up and and to love well those who God is also passionate about. So James says, why would you focus? Why would you focus on two things? But the question is, is this what people see in our lives? We say that this is the the one target we have, but is that what people, if they would watch our lives, would they say the same thing? Because our passions, our, our targets come out. It comes out through the way we live our lives. It's not just through the words that we say. And so James says, James says, focus it up. Let the other things go. Scrub these things clean. James began his letter, and he began by telling us, you know, we can, we can count it all joy. We can actually be excited when we see troubles, when we see hard times kind of rolling up into our lives. And we say, well, why is that? I mean, and he wasn't saying, he, we saw it. He wasn't saying we're happy about the situation. We're not happy about the circumstances. What we are excited about is that these things will be the, the circumstances in which it will this faith will be proven. It will be shown to us and everyone around us that if in that moment we will choose to, to keep that focus on God, we will see and everyone around us will see, it will be proven that this life of following God alone is the only life worth living. That God and his life are the only target worth having. If in those moments we will choose to keep that focus and not be distracted by these other things and other targets that might be coming along, he says in those moments we can be excited because that is where our faith is proven. And at the end... He says the end of this whole course is that those who hit that target, those who keep that focus, that they will actually receive the prize, not just of God's presence and his salvation in our life in this world, but they will be brought for eternity into his presence. So in hard times, in hard times, we find out how big God is, right? In hard times, we can find out how strong his promises are towards us. In hard times, we can find out that he is the one who works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. In hard times, we find out that God is never outflanked by the evil and the brokenness of this world. In hard times we can find out that he ha- always has an answer to our solution if we will just ask, to our problem if we will just ask. He always has he always has a way of escape if we will just look. He always has his protecting and his keeping and his providing and his leading if we will just trust him. He has ways of overcoming that we would have never seen coming. But where do we find that out? We find that out in these hard times. In hard times is when this faith, this this belief that this one focus is worth, in hard times is when that faith is proven. And not just to us, but to anyone who is watching. So James says, so wash your hands. Wash your hands clean of those deeds that are kind of, they come from Deluded motives. They come from deception. They come from, they they have debatable value anyway to you or to God. So James says, wash your hands clean from doing that stuff. Focus on the things that you know that God has called you to and purify your heart from these second rate targets. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And here's the best part. Do you, know what, do you know what the twist of all that is? The twist in this story is this, is that what we'll find, God says, that if we will dedicate our life, devote our life to targeting this one, this single life that he offers, right? The single life that he has offered us, then he also will show us and we will discover how powerfully he can use the single life that is offered to him. If we will choose to target the single life that he offers us, he will show us how powerfully he can use the single life that is offered to him. Do you wanna know, do you want to see in your life how powerfully God, what God is capable of doing through you? Then give that life to him. Let let his calling be the only target. Put aside the distractions. Let him consume all of your your time, your thoughts. And I don't mean that you quit your job and you go, if God's called you to a place of work, then let that place of work be the place that you're spending your time going, God, how do you wanna show yourself here in this place and show yourself through me to this place? How are you gonna do that? Because God calls us to a lot of different places. If God has called you to a certain uh, a relationship or to a, a a network of people or to a, a situation, and you say you walk into that, let your mind be consumed by God. How are you going to live through me? What have you called me to do and to be here and now in this place? It says if you will start doing that, if you will give Him all of your time, all of your talents, all of your thoughts, all of your words, all of your treasures, all of your plans. He says he will show himself through you and he will will show you how much he can accomplish and do through one single life that is offered to him. So he says, wash your hands. Purify your hearts, draw near to him. You guys, I, I believe that right now that if I were to ask you to close your eyes and just look and listen I believe that the Holy Spirit is already highlighting some of those places where you are trying to hit two targets at one time. Some of those areas of your life where you're trying to both pursue God's best, but also pursue this other thing that you're thinking might be an alternative best. And it might be, it might be a terrible thing and it might, be a, it might be an okay thing. It might be a good target. For somebody else, except that God hasn't called you to hit it. But I think that some of you, as you as you look at that, you're also, you, you may even be seeing something that God is highlighting in your life that has actually caused you problems. It's actually brought some of these trials and these problems into your life. And God is saying, I need you to get rid of. I need you to scrub clean of. I need you to let go of this thing. Some of them are bad pursuits, maybe that have ruined good relationships. They may be bad habit. that has robbed you of the life and of the, really it's robbed you of even the resources that God intended for your good and to be a blessing to you. It may be bad perspectives and mindsets that keep you from experiencing his peace, keep you from experiencing even an uncluttered, just a, a clarity in hearing his voice. Some of you are holding on to the things that we talked about last week. We said there are sometimes that are desires, those cravings in us. They lead us to invest in something that then becomes, we set up a pathway, an action plan, opposite of or opposed to what God is calling us to, and that becomes sinful. And we said out of sin comes nothing but death, nothing but death, ever. And you're wondering, why is my life falling apart? Because we have brought into being this plan through a a, a plan that had nothing to do with God. And God says, let go of those. But he also tells us, but I want you to know those troubles, those hard times that you're facing, even if it's because of a bad decision that you made, you can rejoice in it. You can thank God for it because Many of those are going to be where this faith is proven, where he proves to you again the only thing worth pursuing, the only target worth hitting is, is him, is him, his calling, knowing him, knowing the life that he's called you to. There's only one target worth having, that he can lead you <laughs> through hitting that target to being that amazing, that single life that people see, they see what your passion is, but they're amazed at what God is accomplishing through you. God has called us to this this single life, this life of single focus. And he says everything else, all else in life comes out of that. So what do we do with this? I think the take home this week is easy. I think the way that we apply this is easy. It's this, James would say, first, you need to examine your life. You need to, and not just once a year, not just come to the first of the year and say, I'm gonna set some you know, New Year's resolutions to carry me through. Not just the beginning of the quarter so that every quarter we have new goals. This is every day that we wake up and we examine our lives and we say, God, show me those places where I, I have, where today in the situations I'm gonna face today where I, got, I have two goals, I have two targets I'm aiming, I'm aiming for. One is you and one is something else. Show me where those are. So examine your life. Ask God to highlight those places where you're being double-minded, where you have these distractions, you have these lies that you're buying into, you have these multiple targets that you're you're aiming for. Especially look for them if you're going through through a time where you're, you're really being challenged. And ask God, show me if there's something that I'm doing that's actually just aggravating this time I'm going through. Show me. And the second is whatever he highlights, commit yourself to returning to that single life where it's God alone. Now, it sounds easy, but it is. It's fairly, this is not really complicated stuff that God gives us, right? It's just hard, (laughs) Right? Many of these second targets are things we really love. We've, we've invested in them. We've built them up. We've committed to them. We're so far down that road to give them up, it's going to be tough. But God says, you're never, you're never going to find what you're looking for. You're going to find that you're going to miss everything if you keep trying to hit two targets. So return to that, that single life of aiming for God, of walking with God, finding that. Scrub out those distractions. Scrub out those deceptions that you've bought into. Scrub out that, that lie of trying to hit the two in one. So he says, wash your hands. He says, purify your hearts. Draw near to him alone, and he will draw near to you. When people watch your life, if they were to observe your life, what would they see? Would they see your passion Clearly? Would they see your desire to follow, to love God and to follow him with all that you are? Would they see that clearly, singly? That's the challenge. That's the calling. Amen?